Hi, welcome to Own Your Health. This is our podcast where we talk about natural health. I'm a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Caitlin Shea, naturopathic doctor. I'm with my colleague, Lorna Petrillo, who is a registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. Today is all about fertility. We have some very special guests, Dr. Jessica Liu, MD, and Nora Pope, who is a retired naturopathic doctor and educator all about fertility. So we are so excited to get started. I'm going to tell you a little bit. Well, first, guys, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having us. This is exciting. This is really exciting to have you on board. I can't wait to hear all about uh, fertility from you guys. Yeah, so we'll have a, lots of fun back and forth with nutrition topics. We'll talk about fertility acupuncture. Um, Nora really focuses on cycle charting, and she runs the continuing education courses. So that will be really interesting to get into. But I'll tell you a bit about uh, our guest's background. So Nora is a retired naturopathic doctor. She was in practice 2002 to 19. She is the creator of the cycle charting uh, course, the Key to Fertility um, Continuing Education Seminars for naturopathic doctors and other health practitioners. Uh, along with Dr. Jessica Liu, naturopath, she is co-creating the 2021 Continuing education fertility course, which is an accredited webinar all about cycle charting, progesterone, uh, hormone replacement therapy, and fertility optimization for healthcare practitioners. Uh, Nora is a popular public speaker, and since 2003, Nora Pope has been educating physicians, surgeons, midwives, and pharmacists, and other natural health experts in the scientific use of natural medicines. Dr. Jessica Liu is a naturopathic doctor with over 15 years experience in the field of fertility, women's health, and pregnancy care. She is the proud, uh, program coordinator, creator of Vibrant Fertility, which has a focus on supporting women to move through their fertility trauma in order to awaken their optimal fertility potential. So that's quite an impressive background. I'm sorry <laughs> so to have you guys. A that's amazing. Yeah, that's I, a lot. I condensed it too. <laughs> so let's get into um, a bit more about nutrition to start. So Lorna, if you can tell us a bit about your experience with women's health, I know you're a mama for lots of fertility info in there that you've picked up over the years. Tell us about um, as your experience as a dietitian. Absolutely. I am a mama for, and uh, I do have a, a span of children from the ages of four to 12. And I am blessed that I have not experienced personal uh, fertility um, concerns or roadblocks. And I, you know, naturally gave birth to all of my babies with no hiccups. However, with that, I did have to go through um, the process of understanding my body and understanding um, my cycle and the implications that that came through to become pregnant um, four times. So Wonderful. with the, yeah, with the um, nutrition aspect, um, one piece that really sticks with me for all aspects of health is the healthy uh, lifestyle that brings balanced food into, um, into the, the body and the interaction between the mind, body, spirit to really identify with the foods that come into the body so you're not rejecting foods that come in with, uh, you know, not feeling that these foods should be on board, you know, really letting go of diet mentality is something that I focus on in intuitive eating. So if there's any sort of caloric restriction, guilt with food, these things can really come into play 
um, and into impact the whole energy system in, in the body. So really looking to see that there's a balanced uh, intake um, from all aspects of your macros, your carbohydrates, your proteins, and um, uh, your fats, and to have everything on board. And fats would be a really uh, a big piece here because back, you know, not to date myself, but when I became pregnant, a big piece of this was, you know, um, in my university days, it was all about low-fat diets. So it was very much, uh, you know, moving more into sugar, not really understanding the implications of sugar. So and even now to see that the low fat diets do have, um, seem to have an, an implication with lower um, rates of fertility and infertility. And one thing that I remember, and maybe you can correct me if this has changed, is the amount of fat from dairy, that the, the low fat dairy um, seem to be correlated. So if you can just choose the higher fat dairy or if somebody's excluding dairy at all, um, so I remember, you know, going for the Hagen dazs but maybe not going for too much that you're, you're into this uh, mode that you're not connected with your eating. But maybe, maybe you can branch a little bit to, to let me know what you feel about that. Yeah, there's so much there. And I really love that you have an intuitive eating mentality that you're sharing with your clients. Because I think the one thing that's common with all fertility patients is they're already striving for perfection, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to be perfect with their diet trying to be perfect with their sleep and exercise and meds and supplements, how much CoQ10, you know, they're trying to dig for so much of this perfection that they've lost sight of listening to their bodies. Mm -hmm. And I have so many of my clients, once they, you know, become pregnant, I remember for myself in first trimester of my pregnancies, I, I was a person who never really consumed dairy because it wasn't good for my body. It was inflammatory, but I just craved mm. high fats in the first trimester of my pregnancy. It, it pretty much got me through first trimester for both my kids. Um, and That's then what you're saying about the quality of the fat, I think is really important. I mean, there are studies that show that too much consumption of dairy can actually impair sperm and egg health. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, there are some patients like our thin variant PCOS patients where for some patients, a little bit of dairy is actually shown to be helpful mm -hmm. for egg maturation and egg quality. So it's kind of like you have to look at the patient as an individual, your client as an individual and decide what's inflammatory for them, investigate what foods or what macro balance is really right for them. You know, some patients are gonna do really well with keto because that's what their body needs to correct their metabolic dysregulation. And other patients need more of a plant-focused lower fat diet to, to get that those hormone levels in check, right? So really it's always checking in and not being stuck to any kind of dogmatic Yeah, to be approach. able to adopt this flexibility mentality is really the basis of the intuitive eating. And to branch from that fats to move away from dairy, because dairy is just a touchy topic um, anyways, I find. Um, but that was just something that stuck with me from a really long time ago, is to really focus on the omega-3 fatty acids and uh, to get that on board. Um, and just to look at it, you know, there's probably a fear element that comes from the patient with mercury intake from the fish and then to balance, to know when to balance the omega-3 fatty acid intake, you know, to recommend these two to three, um, you know, times a week that we would have fish and then to mm -hmm. balance it off with this mercury intake. So the recommendation I give is no more than 12 ounces of the fish a week and to really uh, focus on the plant-based um, intakes with the flax and walnuts chia seeds, hemp, and those sorts of things. Yeah. 
That's all great. I like that approach. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of protein powders. When people ask me about protein powders, I say two to three tablespoons of hemp seeds a day gets you lots of protein, lots of protein. and it's a full protein, gets you all your omegas. So I, I'm, I, I love, I'm a big believer in seeds. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, and also I wanted to mention about dairy. We were talking about a, a case the other day about um, a woman, you know, in terms of cycle charting, you want it just to summarize quickly, you want to see five days of healthy bleed. And then you want to, we call that red flow in our course to make it media friendly. Mm-hmm. And then you want to see five days of cervical fluid, which we call white flow, make it media friendly again. Yeah. And, and then you want, you know, at least 10 days after your, your, you ovulate 10 to 12 days, month in, month out. And those are healthy biomarkers. And, um, and so with some women, they'll be spotting. They'll be spotting before their period. They'll be spotting after their period. And by really cutting down on common allergens like excess, like cow's dairy and uh, wheat, um, you can improve the lining of the endometrium to become more stable, less irritated. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it could dispel that low-grade infection just because you're you're not aggravating it with an IgG reaction. Mm-hmm. So so uh, I think there'll always be a role for dairy, but absolutely mix it up and be eclectic, mm-hmm. and that can help improve your cycle chart. Very interesting. Those food sensitivity tests can just make things so much easier for people. Just mm-hmm. be on paper. What's your food trigger? Where's your sensitivity? And then you know what you have to take in or out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with, you know, food sensitivity testing, I think is very much known to naturopathic doctors for sure, you know, possibly in your, in your realm, Lorna, um, as a dietitian, I'm not sure if you utilize that test a lot. There's a lot of criticism of it from the medical world because it's shown to be, you know, there's not much data out there to support its use, but clinically what we've seen is that it can really help you understand at least at the baseline how inflamed your patient is. Mm -hmm. And there is a fertility doctor in Ireland, Dr. Phil Boyle, who is a medical doctor and he routinely will test his patients who have low AMH, which is a marker for ovarian reserve and poor sperm parameters. When he's looking for signs of inflammation, he tests everybody with an IgG test. So we thought that was pretty amazing mm-hmm. that it's being embedded into sort of mainstream fertility care approaches. Mm-hmm. I'm married I to really a important. medical physician. So my husband is a family physician and an ER doc, and um, he definitely welcomes these uh, more holistic principles. And uh, working with Caitlin, certainly hand in hand together, I I do see the importance of the sensitivity food test and then, you know, step it back to see, you know, maybe there are foods and really to listen to your body and to see how foods affect you and, and get to understand, do you feel inflammation? Do you feel pain in the belly? Do you feel um, more congested in the nasal area? And, and then, you know, to really blend that together of identifying. So kind of moving away from somebody told me to do this and it's like, okay, these, these presented as uh, red flags, shall we say, and then what do we do with this information and, and how do we digest it, so to speak? Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad to hear your your husband's an ER doc. So I, I'm going to have no shame. I'm going to lobby <laughs> your, to, if you could schmooze your hubby and say, honey, I, we had guests on the podcast today who are progesterone advocates. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my dream. I mean, right now we're teaching a lot of naturopathic doctors. We have registered dietitians. Uh, enrolled in the course. We have pharmacists enrolled in the course. We have midwives enrolled in the course. My next step 
is we're, we're looking at getting accredited for medical doctors. And in turn, my dream is that every ER doctor and every ER nurse knows about the life-saving potential of progesterone. Mm -hmm. So if a woman is coming in the ER and she's bleeding and she has a threatened miscarriage, rather than just test HCG and do an ultrasound, please give her progesterone and that can, you know, arrest the miscarriage and help the baby, you know, you know, live for if not a few more days and a few more weeks and uh, really improve outcomes. And this is not widely known in the ER and I really, I hope um, that's one of the goals we have. There's a wonderful study out of the UK and in the UK, which is about population 65 million, they said that about 8,000 babies could be saved a year um, with the use of progesterone in the ER to prevent miscarriage. And so if you extrapolate that number, 8,000 a year in the UK with 65 million, Canada is 37 million. So we're looking, you know, we're looking at um, uh, about 4,500 Canadians can be saved a year in the ER. And wouldn't that be wonderful? So we, in our course, we, we talk about cycle charting, which leads to the proper timing of progesterone and hormones which leads to the proper dating of a pregnancy because we can date the pregnancy from conception as opposed to last menstrual period, which is far more precise, mm -hmm. which leads to um, the presenting proper progesterone levels throughout the entire pregnancy, not just the first trimester. Because if, if couples are struggling with fertility, then they're gonna be struggling, struggling with low progesterone and they're gonna be struggling throughout the whole pregnancy because the over, if the ovaries weren't cranking out enough progesterone before pregnancy, then it's definitely going to be a challenge during pregnancy. Mm. So that corpus luteum um, needs help throughout pregnancy, and that's a big goal I have. And we talk about ideal blood levels in the course and how to save lives. So please, um, I have no shame. If you could talk to your hubby sweetly today, <laughs> say, honey, honey, what do you think of progesterone? And... Uh, and then you could say, well, let me teach you. We'll talk about it over dinner. It always makes a good topic. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Um, tell me about how you guys use acupuncture or how, Jessica, you would use acupuncture in your practice. Well, I really like to weave in Chinese medicine as a huge part of what I do. And I did a talk recently at the Canadian Fertility Show on the impact of stress and infertility and how when you look at it through a Chinese medicine lens, that spark of conception really requires a woman to have an open heart and kidney connection, right? In Chinese medicine, we're not talking about, you know, the cardiovascular heart as far as, you know, uh, Western terminology, but in TCM, the energy flow that impacts implantation and development of the fetus requires an open heart and kidney flowing properly together. Um, there's other meridians involved, of course, but acupuncture, there's more research than people know. There is so much data out there. There's data that acupuncture can increase blood flow to the pelvis, can reduce miscarriage rates, um, that can work alongside natural cycles and also alongside patients going through IVF or IUI. Um, acupuncture works everywhere and, and there's very little contraindications to acupuncture if the practitioner is, you know, uh, an expert in what they're doing. And, you know, for some patients, it's not that pleasant. Not everybody loves needles. So you have to be cognizant of those patients where 
maybe acupuncture isn't the best fit. Maybe acupressure or reflexology or Reiki therapy, some other touch modality is going to help bring down their fight or flight. But for many patients, acupuncture is the thing that makes it happen for them on top of all the other good things that you might want to do with your patient. Well, I am a needle. Uh, I do not like needles. I've never liked needles. I have had really bad experiences being exposed to them, but I love acupuncture. So if you are afraid of needles and if you're listening, you know what, acupuncture, I think, like you said, you just have to have an open mind and an open heart. And I think... um, to, to just understand and trust your body um, yeah. and trust the practitioner and what's happening is. Um... And you know what? I think going into an acupuncture session for the first time might be very daunting, especially mm-hmm. if you've already, you're already kind of leery of the needles, but it's the effects after, you know, we've seen women all of a sudden be able to have good white flow, good cervical mucus. Um, after an acupuncture session and that's dramatic for them right Mm -hmm. so again it's a very non-invasive approach it's one less thing they have to take by mouth and it gives them time on the table to just self-care right Mm -hmm. it's they have to lay there and meditate and just relax anyway for at least 30 minutes so it's nice for them to just receive the treatment as opposed to always thinking what's the next supplement I have to take or Mm -hmm. what do I have to charge right so it's a nice addition and in this course, how we're, how we're different and better than traditional Chinese medicine textbooks is that they go into a 28-day cycle. Do acupuncture on day 7 for this, day 14 for this, day 21 for this. And we refine it. We say, no, 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 no. If the woman has a 35-day cycle, you're going to do pre-peak acupuncture and post-peak acupuncture. So we really refine it. So the acupuncture protocols are integrated in sync with the woman's individual cycle. And then we don't choose the arbitrary day 7, 14, 21, which is a, you know, a fallacy of a model. It's not only 13% of women ovulate on day 14. We teach you for ovulation acupuncture, you've got to follow the white flow and follow, mm-hmm. you know, because the white flow is leading towards ovulation mm-hmm. and in, uh, in fill- follicular rupture. So we're, we're very, very uh, customized in our course, but that's what makes us different. We're, we're called Fertility CE. We need business. <laughs> now, what are your kind of top supplements that you go to um, when someone's looking to conceive naturally? It's such a broad topic, and certainly we would always recommend that your listeners consult with someone who is experienced and is licensed to provide that kind of individualized support. You know, I, there's so many to choose from, but if I had to say one thing that I, you know, I really like thinking about the basics, at least like making sure you're on a really decent prenatal vitamin that has good optimized levels of bioavailable nutrients. The most, one of the most important being a a folic acid that is bioavailable or methylated and I know I know Caitlin and I know Lorna you know what that means but for your listeners out there what that means is that we want to get achieve the same type of folic acid as we would from our dark leafy greens our fresh dark leafy greens right so we always say that we don't want you to have folic acid that comes from a lab we want it to be something that mother nature has made that your body will right away recognize because that helps preserve DNA quality that keeps the eggs healthy and the sperm healthy. And so that's, that's a really important one. 
And also, we can't say enough about vitamin D. I think vitamin, you know. Um, we all love vitamin D. Yeah, no, it's just, I mean, there are vitamin D receptors on the ovary. The vitamin D is a, a precursor to hormone production. It's, um, you know, when we, we have to step back, you know, people will say, I don't know why I'm not fertile. Well, as naturopathic doctors, you look at the whole person. So if someone has high blood pressure in their family history or diabetes or eczema, or psoriasis, or asthma, um, or anemia. These things are very, very common when you're treating people with infertility. And vitamin D can help all of those conditions, help balance blood sugar, help restore bone health, help you know, modulate you know, heart contractility, help the skin, uh, and then of course, help hormones. So I think vitamin D is very robust. Yeah. Next. Okay. We do. And then my, my third golden nugget, if I had to pick three, this is a tough one, Caitlin, putting me on the spot here. But if I had to pick another one, it would be what Lorna had mentioned. Those omega-3 fatty acids because they're so helpful for both sperm parameters and egg quality. We like to prefer to say follicular enhancement. So we want to really enhance follicle maturation, but it also can really help to reduce inflammation, right? So we really believe in in the importance of good quality omega-3 fatty acids and a good dosing, right? Mm -hmm. So I prefer a liquid form because you can get that high dosing in an easy form and it's a little more cost-effective than taking it in a capsule. And also if that oil, because it's so um, rich in antioxidants, it also has the ability to go rancid very quickly. Am I right, Lorna? Yes, so absolutely. if you're taking it in a capsule, you're not necessarily gonna know when it's turned bad, but a fish oil, once it starts to smell really unpleasant, like super, super fishy, you know that it's time to, to go buy a new one. Yeah, right? so it, it is the, interesting to uh, definitely smell smell the bottle before. Um, I recommend the uh, the liquid base as well. So to smell it before, and we, yeah. we just know that smell. It's like, okay, this is done. Let's get a new bottle. Um, <laughs> yep. Just back on that vitamin D for a second. It's interesting if you look at... Um, you know, pre previous study with Nurses Health Study, you know, that, that really did identify that there may be this link with dairy and um, fertility. It may really have, have had something to do with the vitamin D, maybe more than the fat. Who knows? Just to kind of speculate and throw it out there. Now we have so much more evidence and research to show the value in vitamin D um, and yeah. to take it as a sole supplement and to understand how important it is to get outside if you're not, you know, within, within that region. Well, we have a colleague that did a cross section of her patients and they were all taking a thousand IUs as directed by their doctor mm. religiously. And when they all were tested, they were all across the board deficient, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere in their twenties, somewhere in their fifties. And I like to see vitamin D levels of at least above a 90 so we know that breast cancer risk, for instance, is much reduced if your vitamin D levels are above that 90 threshold. Um, so I like to see vitamin D a little bit higher than that, even like 100 to 150, sort of that's my sweet spot for most of my fertility patients. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's where it's so nice to just start with some testing right away and look Absolutely. at your progesterone levels, look at your vitamin D levels, just get all that testing out of the way because vitamin D... It, you know, sometimes very inexpensive brands, it's fine, it goes up. And then sometimes you're just not absorbing it at all. You're supplementing and supplementing, it's not doing anything because you're not on the right one. That just look at your blood levels, make it simple, and make it individualized to you and how much you need. 
Yep, good point. So, um, anything else about, uh, I guess, cycle charting and any other tips for us or want to kind of get into that a bit more? Yeah, sure. So I, I mean, I believe like I don't, I don't have any children. Uh, I've never been pregnant, but I'm so glad I was charting my cycle because it was such a tool to know what was going on. Uh, I love the fact that I had my five days of red flow. I had my five days of white flow and um, I'd always feel blue um, sort of peak plus two. And, and so it, it would prepare me. I just knew, I just, for whatever reason, I felt blue that day. And, um, and so I found that very, very empowering. But I think for healthcare practitioners, it is a wonderful diagnostic assessment tool, treatment tool, and prognosis tool. And one of the things I like about it is that it really can help you time your blood test effectively. Because the, the, the custom is to ask uh, women to test their progesterone and estrogen on day 21 of their cycle. Again, that assumes that they ovulate on day 14. Well, some women may ovulate on day 10 or day 20. So we teach that you test your progesterone on peak plus seven. So that could be conversely day 17 or day 27. So we're gonna help our, our students really guide their patients to get the proper testing. Because if you test the progesterone on the wrong day, you're gonna get the dose wrong. Oh, you need this much more. Well, no, you don't. You're, you need you know, only 100 milligrams a day, maybe 200 milligrams. You don't need 800 milligrams a day because you're not that low because you know, this, you're testing on peak plus seven and not on the wrong day. So I think that's very important. And then also, also ultrasounds. A lot of the time, you know, um, when you're doing a, a follicular study and um, you, you're told to start on day nine of your cycle, what if your white flow starts on day six? You should start during your white flow. Or what if your white flow starts on day 14? Start during your white flow, go in every day until you see the follicle grow, ideally to two centimeters, and then rupture the next day and shrink to 1.4 centimeters. And those are wonderful biomarkers to ensure that you had optimum estrogen function and white flow. And the shrinkage to 1.4 centimeters will show that you have a good corpus luteum shrinking and turning into a progesterone machine. So this is very valuable information. And that's, that's how we use cycle charting. And then how to time your treatment. So if you're, if you're, time, if you're treating someone with vitamins and botanicals, acupuncture, sometimes you need pre-peak herbs and foods like the seed diet. And sometimes you need post-peak herbs and foods and acupuncture. So we really use that chart as the foundation and you build on it for testing, assessment, diagnosis, treatment, monitoring. And the goal is to really restore health and uh, improve outcomes. And it's very empowering for the patient or the client to be able to know their body so well. I would really love to envision that we start teaching our girls as soon as they start getting their periods, I literally just had a session with one of my lovely patients. She's 14 and she was all in, like she was really excited to start learning about what the different signs meant in her body. Mm. And this is really empowering, right? So a lot of our patients, especially going through fertility or infertility, feel really disempowered. And this is one way that they can reclaim that ownership of their body, right? So, and the other piece is you can detect lots of different things that are going on. Like if you have tail end brown bleeding, you're gonna might, you might be thinking of, you know, low grade endometritis or a low grade infection. And you can be catching that months and months before 
they might be able to be seen by their OBGYN or a fertility specialist, right? Mm -hmm. So this idea that women and couples have to wait 12 months before they get that process started is really disheartening for them when if you've been charting regularly, you can start to see what's wrong and you can be referring them if needed for further testing that much sooner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I remember I've been, I've been involved with cycle charting since 1994. Like I, and back then most people were using it to avoid another pregnancy. It was really, it was healthy people who had X number of children and they want to space out their next pregnancy and postpone or avoid their next pregnancy. And then uh, in the late 90s, it was more and more couples struggling with fertility. Um, and then by 2000, um, the couples were no longer in their 40s, they were in their 30s. And then by 2010, the couples were in their 20s. And then about 2012, I noticed a shift. Teenagers were interested mm -hmm. in cycle charting because they didn't want to go on the pill and they wanted to learn about their cycle. And then, so that population really excites me. People who've been on the pill, they hate it. And um, they were prescribed the pill because they had painful periods or no periods. And they want to get to the bottom of their health. They want to know what's going on. And it's not a family planning instrument anymore. It's a health awareness. So we say, you know, we like to say that fertility awareness is health awareness. And fertility literacy is body literacy. And that's a term coined by Laura Wurschler. She used to work at Planned Parenthood and she used to teach cycle charting. And um, it, it just, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Body literacy, that's what we're trying to teach. And then we also want to help save lives in the ER too. So, I mean, it's a multifaceted, it's a multifaceted tool, but it's, um, I think you keep saying the fifth vital sign. Yeah, Jessica. It's the fifth vital sign. It's, it's like menstrual cycle. Yeah. You know, it's a woman's gateway to ultimately healthy hormones and why not know what's going on with your why not maximize what your hormones can do for you right hormones float around in the body in parts per billion that's how powerful they are mm. so why wouldn't you want to spend a little bit of time every month thinking about how to how to make that better right because then it's, you'll feel uh, better it's very interesting be how um, much fear is around hormones you know and i think yeah. too i love body body literacy i love that i'm gonna use that <laughs> it's awesome. great it, you know Fair it's way. just owning owning the body we you know this is the podcast own your health and i think it's just the more intuitive you can be and listen to the signs and that regulation and self-regulation is really um the the learn the arm and limb of every single aspect of health and um nutrition is really one piece of it you know and even intuitive eating there's 10 pieces and 10 aspects of of this cycle of what you know I look at and telling you what to eat or exploring different aspects of food is just one piece of it so I think to move away from fear and what we're afraid of ask more questions um and become more in tune with with what you are afraid of and to identify with that I think is a big piece so if if you know the flow is looking different ask questions and get to yeah. know it exactly mm -hmm. and to then to know what healthy looks like what optimal looks mm -hmm. like then you can you can take action steps towards making that better mm -hmm. right and you get every month every cycle you get another shot at it so yeah that's right I love that <laughs> <laughs> that's so true yeah mm -hmm.
That's amazing. I love that you're integrating all of that together and, you know, working that together to help better women's health. It's amazing. It's a lot of steps back, really. You know, um, I always say that you're you're putting the expertise in the hands of the client or in the hands of the client or the patient rather. And, um, you know, they come to us for expertise, but you're really you know, putting it back at them and say, get to know your body and you come to tell me what your body's doing and then we can work together. Absolutely. I love that. It's great. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for all that information. That was so amazing to hear all of that. Very informative. Oh, it's our thank pleasure. You so thank you so much for having us. You guys are doing a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, and, and we'd love to come back. So if you <laughs> learn it, it's working on Tino on here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have uh, we're definitely gonna have uh, Tino ER doc on here at some point, and I will be sure to um, make the connection. <laughs> That's awesome. And again, if we can just plug our course one more time, it's mm -hmm. the Fertility Continuing Education course. That's happening live on Friday, February 26. It's open to all healthcare professionals but we have CE credits for naturopaths all across Canada and the US. And there is accreditation for the recorded webinar as well. So if you miss the live, you won't miss a thing by listening to the recorded session. We'll, we'll be able to answer all your questions. And our website is www.fertilityce.com. Amazing. Awesome. I'm, yeah, that course, I'm so excited for it. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited to have you, Caitlin. Yep. Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good Take night. Care. Bye. Bye. Good night. Hey, welcome to the Own Your Health podcast. I am Caitlin Shea, naturopathic doctor. I'm here with Lorna. Hi, Lorna. Hello. Lorna is a registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. And today we are so excited to talk to you guys about minimalism and your health, how to make things super simple when it comes to natural health options. Mm -hmm. I love this topic and uh, minimalism really is a word that we can all relate to and we can all identify with. Minimalism has certainly been a movement, um, you know, big over the last five years in reducing how much attention we bring to things that really do not matter. It's it's passion, it's um, devoting energy into things uh, with intention that have uh, value to us. So bringing this whole concept and notion together with our health is, um, is an exciting topic. Yeah. And I think there's so much information out there. People get like bogged down before you can even get started. You're just like, Oh my gosh, there's a million things. I think that's part of why you go to a practitioner for me. I'll go to a, yeah, a practitioner or a mentor and just having someone say, okay, like here's the next step, like super simple. So it's not so overwhelming. A lot of the things, things are like easy. Like we know drink water, eat a vegetable here and there, but it's like, okay, like, let's just take it one step at a time. What are we prioritizing? What are we focusing on right now? Mm -hmm. Especially right now too. I mean, um, people are drawing a lot more awareness into what they should be doing. We've got these lists of, of things that, you know, if we do all of these things, we're going to be okay. Um, but the, the, the list really varies from individual to individual environment, season, 
um, and your overall stress, uh, your stress level and um, your capacity for your own health, right? So really to, to bring awareness inside of what we need put you in line with what your values are. And that's a really, really good place to start with what do you value and what things do you want to draw more value to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some ways that you practice minimalism in your health routine? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, like I feel like it varies depending on what's going on right now, things are opening and, you know, as a mom of four, I now am becoming uh, a driver um kind of running in different directions so my goal is to make sure we are all eating balanced healthy foods as much as we can with everything going on which has not been that way for 18 months so all of a sudden there's this shift of me to provide my energy for other people right whereas before it was almost like okay i've got all this kind of you know time on my hands to make sure that my wellness and health is kind of where it needs to be so right now it's um you know the minimalism part for me is prep preparation and being prepared so i put a lot of focus into maximizing good energy um you know which would be morning times to how i can kind of lay out the day that it's that it's prepared you know can i have oatmeal ready can one day i have you know, a big pan of um, healthy granola ready, or, you know, what sort of things can I have that everybody's gonna start their day off um, with a really um, nutritious um, morning and, and start to the day. So minimalizing the amount of processed foods um, is always my number one. You know, what can you take out of your cupboard? If you really go through the cupboard and say, I'm gonna take out anything that has more than 250 milligrams of sodium, what am I left with? You know, that's kind of a nice way. How can you uh, tweak tweak your pantry in terms of how much preservatives are on board? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Simpler, the better. Mm -hmm. How about yeah. you? For me, I like um, the same breakfast every day, pretty much. On the weekends, I'll switch it up sometimes. The odd donut, don't tell my dietitian. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like to have oatmeal and I'll switch up like whatever fruits are in season. I'll get different nut butters, different seeds, but I could eat oatmeal all the time and it's so easy. And I think like 90% of my digestive symptoms just went away when I was like yoga, oatmeal, get a little probiotic here and there and I'm totally good to go. And if I miss it, I notice I'm not on track. I have to get back to it, but I don't like start looking around at recipes, Pinterest. I'm like, no, I can tackle this. And I know over the long term, it stays really consistent and really clean versus when I'm like experimenting with dinners and I let myself get like more creative with that. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you burn it sometimes, you have a bad dinner day. It's true. You just end up eating pizza and it's like, if I have my breakfast very simple, it's one more thing out of my day that I don't think about. And you know, you know, you've, you've done a good thing to start your day. I totally, yeah. um, I totally get it. So in terms of, you know, feeling overwhelmed with, with what, uh, you know, was on your plate in the run of the day of what you should be doing, um, you know, how can we simplify our um, you know, the things that we bring into our, our health and into our life, you know, is really about 
Um, I have a puppy that's here trying to say hello to me. <laughs> She's okay. like, I can tell you all about this. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, in terms of what sort of things are, are playing havoc, I think if you have too many, um, you know, vitamins and minerals that you feel like you've got to take as supplements and then you, you know, you've got this specialist telling you one thing and then you've got your doctor telling you one thing and then, you know, you've got your naturopath and you've got your dietitian and you've got, you've got too many, um, brackets going on really what are the things that we need we need quality sleep we need quality sleep so what things can we we put on board that is going to enhance quality sleep so when you bring this uh list to all your practitioners what can one thing be that's consistent with everybody um so everybody's working towards a common goal to get your sleep improved you know mindfulness meditation maybe you do need a supplement for your hormones which definitely um is your avenue 100 what is the type of foods is there too much fiber on board before bed maybe there's been no carbohydrates all day so bring one simple um thing to everybody and see if you can um kind of work with one avenue yeah yeah and i find when you're keeping it really simple and working on one thing you're working on one concern once you're starting to feel better it hits other areas there's usually like side benefits instead mm -hmm. of side effects when you're doing like a probiotic it hits like the mood it hits digestion you're doing all these um you're doing one thing but it's helping so many other areas and like you're talking about sleep once you get a good quality sleep the bloating's better the mood is better mm -hmm. yeah and, and I really try to, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, just that when you feel overwhelmed, then you're devoting too many and too much energy into places that nothing is really going to iron out and nothing is really going to go right. You know, I mean, the true, yeah. the true benefit of mindfulness is being able and, you know, to, to really uh, take all the benefit from mindfulness is just focusing on one thing at a time. Um, mm -hmm. And we just feel like we need to keep multitasking. So you know, to take it back and, and to look at what truly one thing could you be mindful in versus focusing on all the things that um, you need to do is a lot harder to do than um, it sounds. Yeah, yeah. I started thinking about minimalism with my practice when I started creating my hormone program, my PMS program, and I really thought about the three pillars for PMS freedom, which is what I call the program. Of I wanted people to take like very clear steps, and by having our weekly meetings when we go through it together, or when they're going through the trainings on their own, it's just like here's like your one time to sit and think about all the nutrition, the hormone nutrition. Here's your time to reflect on stress and how that's affecting you, and just kind of like there's so many things you can Google, but when you have it like very simple and in very clear steps in front of you to follow, I find it works so much better. So mm -hmm. the um, tangible, I, the tangible steps in that routine. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a fantastic layout for your program. Yeah, good. That's awesome. And the the group collaboration, you know, and I think that that's a part of keeping it simple too, is your support network. And, in, you know, and that's like bringing that one issue to all of the, the healthcare providers that are in your support group and the, the people that you live with, like, this is one thing that I'm trying to work on right now is to get to bed earlier. So everybody's on board with that. Okay, the kitchen has to close at a certain time or mom is off duty, um, you know, after 845 you know if you need me sure come in but i'm not going to be um putting stuff in the laundry machine or making your bed like these are so if everybody is kind of on board with what your goal is that can really help 
um, to keep it on task too. And yeah. uh, I just um, ran a morning motivation challenge, which um, was really eye-opening in terms of how many people um, really are striving to create a morning regimen that works for them. And I'm developing it into a course as well because it's it's different for everybody in terms of what that um, you know motivator is in the morning to get you up, to make you feel that you're ready for your day, that you're ready to, to move forward with it versus this sort of impending doom of I've got a to-do list and I didn't have my breakfast ready. And I, so what, you know, what one thing is it that you can do in your morning that can just transform the way that you approach your day? And if you're not a morning workout person, then don't do your morning workout, do it later. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you would do better with having your breakfast prepped in the night and, and then it's ready in the morning. Or maybe you love spooning oatmeal in the morning the smell of it, you know, what brings you joy and, um, and to really work with yourself is, is minimalism work with what your, um, intentions and goals are and what, what comes easy to you as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love talking about morning routines and that you're getting people pumped up in the morning. It sounds like it's going to be such a good course. Mm. And I think that's yeah. so key. Like everyone talks about morning routines, setting up the foundation of success for the day. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be so amazing. Yeah. And our six, the most successful people in the world do wake up early, but you can't wake up early if your nighttime is off. So that's why I think that a quality sleep being your number one um, to do, it, it really sets the foundation to wake up and get things on, uh, on a good start. So yeah. um, just... Mm -hmm just in terms of minimalism with, with health as well. Like, is there, you know, a tip that you could give us that when people come in with like a large list of kind of, um, uh, culprits or things that are bothering them, ailments, um, in terms of, you know, helping to simplify the list. Yeah, well, I find when people come with lots of symptoms, they're already kind of looking to when they're coming into me, they're thinking about the hormones that's kind of on, on the forefront of their mind. And I find they're like, oh, this is like, sorry, this is so much information. I'm like, no, it's all, you can tell they're all like the hormone checklist of like high cortisol or high estrogen. So it's important to tell your practitioner everything, but then we can often simplify it and say, if you just start with this, oftentimes for me, it's a supplement doing more of like a high dose of an herb that you can take in a pill form and then getting the basics into place still at the same time and maybe making one nutritional change one like sleep hygiene type of change um but getting like a high dose of some like anti-inflammatory or hormone balancing herb in place to kind of like help the body more quickly get back into balance um but that's the nice thing about having the consult and having someone a bit more objectively look at what you're doing and can, they can kind of like say from an outsider's perspective of like okay stop your six cups of coffee because mm -hmm. some people are like I just love coffee I was thinking of someone I was talking to this week and she's like I know but then as soon as you hear someone else say to you like you know that is really like messing with your sleep there then they can like tone it back a bit and get the basics starting mm -hmm. it is overwhelming to be told what to do and I often do have a lot of clients that will say to me so you're not going to tell me not to eat this and not to do this and that I should do that and I said, no, I'm not. Like a lot of this is, um, it's about making one small, simple thing, get that really in place, solidify that 
um, behavior change that can begin to, to transform and our, our overall stress level reduces when we feel that we're able to manage the tasks of our health on hand. So if we're overwhelming ourselves with too many things to do, it's not going to do any justice with our overall stress and our overall mental health, which needs to ultimately be in place for everything else to iron out. Yeah, when people say this seems like really easy or like it was so easy how like the results happen, it's like that's great that it shouldn't feel like a huge burden, like a total makeover switch. Uh, it should be little things so that it's real sustainable results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like to use a web. So I'll give, you know, kind of one word that we're going to focus on, whether it's heal or whether it's energize or, you know, whatever, whatever that is you know sometimes it's just honor honor where you are honor the body Mm -hmm. and then just one or two things that we're going to work on um just for one week so you don't feel like you've got to do it forever just see the change in one week just focusing on um one thing with awareness around that and then let's loop back and see how you managed with that and see how you did that so the close contact the support um your health professional to help you know, fine tune and keep you kind of, you know, steering in the right direction. It's okay to feel like you can't do it on your own. That's what we're here for. And that's what we're here to help you with, right? I almost look at it as like a huge horse tail. Like you've got this, you know, massive amount of hair, really thick. And how can we like pull it together to get this really gorgeous thick braid, right? Like three pieces we bring together. So everything is going to work together and everything's going to be become intertwined. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was like my hair before I got it. <laughs> Your hair looks cool. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think it's almost like boundaries too when you're saying, no, I'm not going to do these 10 things. I'm not going to go on Pinterest and make these a million different recipes. Mm -hmm. I am going to stick with what I feel is right, what feels right to me right now. I'm honoring where my energy is and I'm going to have this one appointment. I'm going to do this one breakfast and then it's a firm boundary in place. Yeah, but the key then is to really look at how you feel when you do that because we so quickly forget the formula for ourselves that has worked, right? So you're doing that, everything feels manageable. You know, are you actually acknowledging the benefit that you feel with more energy, a better sleep from putting a breakfast in, right? Because then we get back into busy life, you know, um, September, the fall, the way, all of this stuff. And then you forget, oh, I really did feel good when I just did those couple of things. So I think to really draw awareness into when you feel good is something that we just don't do enough. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading like um, the four hour work week with Tim Ferriss Mm -hmm. and he would document everything and he would go back to when he was at his best health. Yes. When things were going best at work or whatever. And he's like, and then I just repeat my steps that he kind of created for himself and those that work well for him. That's amazing. It's so, you know, and you probably do the same thing in your consults, but it's very much like when pinpoint when you felt the best in your life what were you doing then you know Mm -hmm. and and what can we kind of pull together 
um, to make that happen again. You know, what are your roadblocks? What boundaries do we need to put around your lifestyle and your environment so you can make those things non-negotiables and happen consistently, right? It's the consistency of the small, simple steps that can, you know, create that pathway. And it sounds so cliche, but it's so true, right? Just something that you're able to manage um and then you can start to add in more creativity over time so you know what is it what do you want it to look like in six months or in a couple of years or whatever it doesn't have to be a timeline that feels so tight mm-hmm. yeah yeah i love it anything else you want to add for oh with minimalism i mean i think the biggest thing is going to bed trusting that you're doing the best that you can and, and creating steps that are um you know to honor where you are and not everything's going to unfold for you uh right then and there and, and feel perfect and i think that a lot of it is that the to not you know follow minimalism is that we've got expectations that are too high for ourselves and we have a perfectionist sort of mentality so if we could simplify it to just trust that we are doing the best that we can and our bodies are, uh, you know, basically um, what, how we're treating it and, and that, that is the outcome. So any little small thing that you can do, trust that, that that is enough, you know, and I think that that's very much yoga that we are enough. Um, and then in the morning, if you could just almost like kind of wash away uh, worries to give yourself a 15 minute window that you don't have to think about what your day is doing, that you don't have to think about the next move, that you can simply um, be in the present, because I think minimalism is really just being in the present moment without the anticipation um, of what's next. So, you know, just a little bit of a, a go to sleep on a, on a simple note and wake up with um, a clear platform and, you know, then you can start your day. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's anxiety when you're going one thing to the next and all these different scenarios. That's just like, I should focus on one. Let's pull it back to one. One thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think women too don't celebrate the wins enough. Mm -hmm. I've been noticing, I've been hearing. And the groups that I'm in too that we're talking about that, that women don't celebrate all these wins throughout the day. It's like, but I didn't get this, this, and this done. It's like, let's stop that. Let's just like keep pumping yeah. ourselves up. And it's like, I did this today. I did this today. I'm so happy that I got this done and really building ourselves up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what are, what's, what's on your shelf? You know, it's okay to have your shelf actually pretty empty, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, of what's been accomplished too. accomplishment in terms of just, just, you know, being still and being settled and being calm in your mind is really minimalism. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So thanks. Yeah. So if anyone, um, I am just gonna let you guys know I'm having a free hormone masterclass August six at twelve o'clock. Lorna, you're at my last masterclass. Yes, it was amazing. I'll be there. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're gonna talk about my PMS program, the three pillars for PMS freedom, in the master class, and you can come with any questions. Lorna's gonna be there too. If you're coming to that one, then you have Lorna's brain to pick on nutrition, intuitive eating, minimalism, mindfulness, yoga. I stuff. love it. Yes. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and thanks, Lorna. For thank you so much. Awesome. We'll chat soon. Okay. Bye.